Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. Each week, we bring the most interesting conversations from around the media industry. This week, we turn our attention to football and what it's like to be reporting during one of the most frantic parts of the season. We're going to be talking about reporting the ins and outs of player transfers between football clubs. Here to tell us all about that today is Mark McAdam, who is a sports broadcaster for Sky Sports News. You might recognise his voice from Soccer Saturday and Transfer Talk. He tells us all about who your sources are for a story, how to verify and fact check it, and why so few transfer rumours actually pan out. Last month we had the January transfer window. Football fans love it because it's one of two periods in the year where their club can buy and sell players. There's wheeling and dealing and loads of rumours flying around about big players being linked to new clubs for big money deals. For those in the media and trying to make sense of it all, it's hard work trying to spot what is real and fake. And it's even more challenging on deadline day, the final day of the month where clubs are working around the clock to get deals over the line. A quick reminder to you at home, if you'd like to jump on the podcast with me, do pop me an email to jacob at journalism.co.uk. Right, don't go anywhere. Mark joins us from Sky Sports News HQ after this quick message from the journalism.co.uk jobs board. This podcast is brought to you by journalism.co.uk. We bring you the latest jobs in the media and communications industry. Our job of the week is the senior reporter position for information. To apply for this opportunity and more, visit our jobs board on www.journalism.co.uk forward slash jobs. Mark, welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. I've always been very intrigued by this realm of reporting that you live in, Mark, which is not just to do with football, but more specifically to do with reporting on football transfers. And of course, what I mean by that is uh, clubs buying and selling players, players changing clubs. Um, January, as I don't need to tell you, is a significant month because it's one of two windows where clubs can get all of their business done. And what you see as football fans looking in, is a lot of speculation, a lot of will they move, won't they move, is the deal on. What's it like for you in the media trying to make sense of it all? I love January. January is one of those windows that comes at the midway point through a season. And we all know that the, the second part of the season is the, is the make or break part. This is where you can avoid relegation. This is where you can get into the playoffs. This is where you can confirm automatic promotion, win titles. This is the business end of the season. So every decision that gets made in January is crucial. And it's, it's four weeks. You've got 30-odd days to get your business done, to get things sorted. And as we know, with the, the complex nature of deals these days uh, and the finances that are involved, you're under pressure and you really have to work tirelessly to get deals sorted. And when you've got so many people that are involved in every single deal, um, it makes it rather frenetic. And for us in the media to be involved, to be watching at close quarters, to be analysing and looking into everything and seeing what might or might not happen, uh, makes it really fun. So January is one of those windows, it's exciting, uh, and I really love being a part of it, and I'm lucky to to, to have done quite a fair few of them over the years. The January window just passed last month um, was a, was quite an interesting one. Uh, what were some of the standout stories that you were following, Mark? 
There was a couple of uh, obviously big deals. The Bruno Fernandes to Manchester United deal was something we were speaking about in the summer. It didn't happen in the summer. We were speaking about it at the beginning of January and it was only towards the back end of the month where it finally got done and, and already you're seeing the kind of player that he is and the, the impact that he's had. That was a really interesting one. For me, uh, Tottenham getting Steven Bergwijn was another uh, fantastic deal. He was a player I've been monitoring for about three or four years myself and... Um, I thought he did tremendously well in the European Under-19 Championships in 2016. He was one of the standout players. And I always get excited when you see young players doing well because it's only a matter of time before one of the big clubs in European football takes a gamble on them and goes, right, you're now ready for the Premier League. You're now ready for the top level. Uh, obviously, we're talking a lot about Jetson Fernandez. At first, it looked like he was going to go to West Ham. Then there was an interest um, in uh, two or three other clubs. And eventually he gets his move. You know, Chelsea were there. Eventually he gets his move to, to Tottenham. So that's another interesting one. We were speaking about one club and one potential move early on in the window. And then sort of two or three weeks later, he moves to another club entirely. Um, and then the other player that, that kind of really was the, the big story of deadline day was Jared Bowen, uh, someone who I'd watched a number of times for Hull over the years. Young, exciting, promising player, having his most effective season in front of goal. And um, he got his deadline day move to the Premier League. He was a player I'd watched literally two or three weeks before he got the move. And, and he looked ready for the next step. I think it will be a huge step for him, but he's definitely got the quality. So this window, there wasn't a huge number of deals that happened. Um, but I think there were some really significant moves. Fernandez, Bergwijn and Bowen, all three good quality players that can have a real impact in the top flight. So how do you find out about interest? Where does that information come from? How do you know when bids are lodged, bids are accepted or rejected or countered or any of this kind of thing. Where does that information come from? Invariably, there are a lot of people involved in every single deal. There may be two or three agents. There may be you know, a couple of chief execs, chairman, owners, managers, assistant managers, first team coaches, recruitment analysts, sporting directors. Um, so, you know, players themselves, players' friends, players' girlfriends. Um, invariably, you get information from, from lots of different places. Um, something that's key on Sky Sports is that we don't just run any piece of information. We pride ourselves on being accurate. We pride ourselves on getting things absolutely spot on. Um, so therefore, when we do get pieces of information, we try and piece it together. So other reporters will speak to um, their contacts, the people they know, the people they trust, and they will bring their piece of the jigsaw to the table. And then I will bring my piece of the jigsaw to the table. And invariably, we will try and piece something together that we believe to be accurate and then we take it to air. Information comes from all over the place. Um, sometimes it's just a small little comment uh, and then you speak to the club and you say, look, we, we've heard that you're interested in this player. Is that correct? And they'll say yes or no if they're helpful. But not all the time. They don't always confirm. No, of course not. Um, and you understand it. You know, why, why would you uh, let the media into a deal that potentially could be at a really sensitive stage? You know, I've known so many times where players have agreed to join a football club They've got into a car, they've headed down the motorway, and then whilst they've been going down the motorway, they've had a phone call from another football club who said, we'll give you an extra five grand a week, we'll give you an extra year's contract to come and join us. For example, we had player A that was going to join Brighton, and we'd said on air, player A is joining Brighton, and this is going to be huge for Graham Potter, and then someone at another football club goes, oh, that player that we were interested in, he's going to Brighton. Phone him up now, offer him an extra 10 grand a week and get him to turn around and come up here. And then 
the player goes, oh, I've got another club, I've got more money, I'm going to turn my car around and I'm going to go and join them instead. So sometimes you can understand why clubs don't want this information out there. I know of a, a situation last summer, a player met uh, a Premier League manager, uh, a top four Premier League manager, and agreed in theory to join them. He met another Premier League manager the following day and signed for the other club outside of the top four the following day. Um, so information is sensitive and, and not always getting things out in the media is in the best interest of the club. They'd rather just sing about it when the deal is done and when it's signed and sealed because in football things change by the minute. Sounds like a very collaborative exercise, Mark. Typically, how many reporters would be working on a given transfer story? It could be five, six, seven. Um, everyone has their own contacts. Everyone has their own information. Everyone has people they trust more so than others. Um, invariably, with the big stories, you have a lot of people involved from different angles. You've obviously got a buying club. You've got a selling club. You might have two or three agents that are negotiating the deal. Um, you have two or three people that are connected with sporting directors and chief execs that will, will have their, their finger in the pie as well. So they'll have information on the story. Um, and obviously, the key thing about transfers is trust and relationships. If you have the trust of an agent, if you have the trust of a player or a manager, you're going to get more information. Um, and that's one of the significant things about it. And, and often what you'll see a lot happening is deals are domino affected so for example Manchester United might have a striker target who is player X and uh, they're also interested in player Y and they're also interested in player Z I don't know anything to do with player X but I know everything to do with player Z and therefore I get the information about that and Manchester United will be saying we're not really interested in your player because we're trying to do a deal for this player but if this player doesn't work out then we'll come back to you and we'll do a deal Um, so you know you get information in so many different roundabout ways um, that all build the picture of, of a transfer. Very rarely is a, is a transfer simple, straightforward and done very quickly. These things often take certainly weeks um, and most of all months. What's a really good example of um, quite a significant transfer in years gone by uh, where you really followed it from start to finish and along the way had to... Um, check things out and fact check it and corroborate sort of interest in this kind of thing what's the best example you could think of the most significant one for me personally probably was when um, Bournemouth signed Jack Wilshire on loan from Arsenal who at the time was obviously young um, an England international highly respected highly regarded player just suffered with injuries and been a bit unlucky but was looking to re- kickstart his career again and, and chose the South Coast to do it. That was a, a deal that came to light quite late on in the window, probably about sort of 72 hours or so before deadline day. So it was quite significant that it happened very quickly. First of all, you hear of the interest from the football club. Then you hear that Jack Wilshire would be opening to joining Bournemouth because obviously as an Arsenal player, someone who's played at the highest level, Champions League games and international football for, for England, why would he join a club that's fairly new to the Premier League? But he just wanted to play in the right environment. Uh, he had a friend at the club in Benicophobi, so that was something that you, you kind of quickly gathered that potentially something could happen with that deal. Then he met Eddie Howe and, and things were, were, were progressing quickly. And uh, on deadline day, it was sort of one of those things. Will it happen? Will it not happen? There was interest from Crystal Palace. There was interest from another um, clubs that were obviously keen to, to, to bring a player of Jack Wilshire's quality to them. We got an initial 
kind of phone call at about lunchtime to say this deal potentially is going to happen for Bournemouth. This could could work out. So monitor it. Keep keep on the phone. Speak to people. Find out what's happening. Um, and as the day progressed, it became quite obvious that that Jack Wilshire was was going to head down to to Bournemouth and that the deal was on. It was going to happen. And during the 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 journey from London to the South Coast and Bournemouth. Uh, I believe Jack Wilshire got a phone call from David Beckham, who had big links with AC Milan. AC Milan were keen to take Jack Wilshire to Italy, um, and he just needed a bit of persuasion, and they thought that David Beckham might be the one to do it. Um, but in the end, Jack decided that Bournemouth was the right place for him and his family, and, and he came down. He arrived about half past six, quarter to seven. We got a shot of him arriving. We got a shot of him walking across the car park. He waved to some fans as he went in for his medical, did both parts of his medical. We're sort of eagerly stood outside waiting for information to be drip-fed to us by the club to say that the deal is happening and things are progressing. And eventually, about half past nine at night, you know, Jack comes out with a shirt, poses outside the front of the training ground and, and the deal's done. And, and that was one of those that, you know, happened from kind of 72 hours or so before the, the window shutting to literally an hour or so before the window shut, the deal got done. And, and obviously it was a huge deal for Bournemouth. It was a huge deal for, for deadline day. And it was exciting at the time because Jack is, is obviously a player with a lot of quality. What about bogus information? Do you get a lot of that? <laughs> bogus information is a huge part of um, transfers, deadline day and, and any any window. Um Obviously, you have to remember there are a lot of players that want to get moves that really aren't in the shop window. And there are a lot of agents that want to move their players um, and they want to generate interest in their players. So they think that if they they say to us, oh, yeah, Manchester United and Liverpool are interested in my player, that we'll put on TV straight away, Manchester United and Liverpool are interested in this player. And then suddenly everyone's talking about this player and that generates publicity, which generates interest um, and then generates phone calls. As I said before, we don't do that. We have to confirm this. We confirm it with the clubs. We confirm it with um, other sources, other producers, other people within the building, other reporters and presenters, so that we don't go on air with, with duff information. Um, that, that's something that, that's absolutely key. We can't, we can't do that. We can't damage our reputation um, by doing that. So we do get a lot of information and obviously you know what social media can be like you know everyone wants to to get the retweets everyone wants to get the clicks everyone wants to generate talking points everyone wants to build followers and often by doing that you you can tweet information that isn't accurate at all or or very inaccurate or just a damn right lie um, because you want to generate an interest in your story or your account um, so we have to be really really careful with social media whilst it's a, a brilliant tool it also is a tool for rumors and uh, and things that actually aren't very accurate at all so bogus transfers is is fun um, it's all a part of it um, you just have to make sure again that this is where the teamwork is key you, you link up with all the people that, that you know, that you trust, that you've worked with before, and then you bring those accurate stories to, to air, not the, the fun ones that have got a, not got a hope in hell of happening. Yeah, because in, in reality, only a small fraction of transfer rumours, as they're often called, actually materialise. Um, what you see um, throughout a window is that players are linked with a lot of clubs, clubs are linked with a lot of players, and not many of those actually really happen. I mean, take a club like Liverpool, for example, start of the window linked with several players, but only ended up signing one. So what kind of creates that environment um, and dynamic, Mark? Well, of course, you're right in what you say. And you have to remember that 
football clubs don't just go, right, we need a left back and that's the one we want. They go, right, I need a left back. Um, and then what will invariably happen is the recruitment team will present to the manager three, four, five, six options. Um, invariably, there'll be a, a top target, a second target, a third target. Then what will happen is the clubs will go out and find out the information. How much is this football club, uh, how much is this player going to cost us? How much are his wages? How much, how old is he? What's the transfer information? What's the club like we're dealing with? What's the agent like we're dealing with? What's the player like as a personality? Um, and then they will then make a decision and, and place their targets in order, depending on that information they've got. How realistic is it to get that player? How realistic is the club that we're trying to do a deal with? How keen are they to sell him? Are they going to be, you know, for example, Raheem Sterling at Manchester City, do they want to sell him? Absolutely not. Uh, so is it going to be a deal that can happen? Probably not. So that's where the clubs will build their targets and the players that they're interested in. And then obviously the key thing for a reporter is that you find out that list of players and what order they are interested in. Often is the case... Um, that, uh, for example, N'Golo Kante went to Leicester City as a holding midfielder under Claudio Ranieri. He was their, I believe, their third target for that position. They had two players that they were trying to sign before him, before they eventually got down the list to, to Kante and went, well, right, we'll get him in. And obviously he ended up being a, a, a massively key part of that uh, team that got the Premier League title and then played in the Champions League the following season. So invariably, it's not always their top target that they get. Yeah, what what I'm really trying to get at is why are there still clearly false transfer stories out there in the online space? Because people want followers, people want clicks, people want retweets. I think it's as simple as that. Um, I think also it's important to, to remember as well that things do change very quickly. You know, I can come off the phone to a Premier League manager who says uh, we're going to sign such and such in the next 48 hours. Uh, and then five minutes later, he gets you know the player gets a phone call from someone else, and he joins agrees to join another club. So you could be told a piece of information that you believe is genuine and honest and, and accurate, and and go to air with it or or tweet it, uh, and then five minutes later, it's it's inaccurate because things have changed. That's something that's also massively important to remember in football. Um, but I think you know if you if you always carry the philosophy that that accuracy is key, then then you'll you'll be okay when it comes to transfer window. As you touched on at the sort of the start of the interview, these deals that we're talking about are multi-million pound deals. They're they're no small figure, um, and and the thing that all football fans want to know are the ins and outs of that deal. How much is the total cost? What are the wages? What are the contract details? How hard is it for you as a journalist to get your hands on all of those numbers and all of those good figures that, that people are after? It depends on the club you're dealing with. Um, this, this always makes me laugh because you have two football clubs in every transfer deal. Um, you have a selling club and a buying club. Now, the buying club wants the figure to look as small as possible so that everyone thinks, wow, they've got a great deal. The selling club wants everyone to think that they've got a huge figure for the player and everyone goes, wow, what a deal. You couldn't turn that down. That's fantastic money for the club. And obviously, generally, somewhere in the middle is the truth. Um, And obviously, as you see from a lot of deals that happen these days, there are a lot of add-ons, there are a lot of bonuses, there are a lot of extras that are attached to any deal. Um, At Sky, generally, we we report the the largest figure. Um, So whatever the deal would rise to, uh, as opposed to the initial deal. I know some deals that could rise to £20 million, but the initial fee is £5 million. 
Ah, so that's why there's discrepancies between different news sources. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously the Premier League know what the information is because it's signed out on the deal sheet what the transfer fee is. Um, but that information never has to be disclosed to the media. So it's generally up to to clubs to be honest with the people they trust to say how much the deal is worth. Oh, is that why some deals are reported as undisclosed then? Yeah, quite simply because... I've always wondered that. Yeah, some football clubs don't want to... You know, if you've sold a player for less, a lot less than market value, um, but you don't want people to know that you've sold him for less than market value. Often there's a reason. There's a buyout clause that people didn't know about or there's information that you don't know about. So therefore, they they believe it's best to keep things private, in-house. And um, often you can get a steer. As a, as a broadcaster, you can get a steer and someone will say, it's around £10 million. It's around £15 million. And therefore, you can build a, an accurate picture of, of, of what the deal you potentially think is worth. But it just depends on, on the clubs that you're dealing with and how honest and upfront they are about these things. Some football clubs tell you the, the accuracies of the deal and they don't mind being honest. Some clubs would rather keep it to themselves. Now, Mark, honestly, I could be here all day talking to you about this, but I'm going to wrap it up in one final question. Um, What are your main responsibilities and standards that you should be uh, striving towards as a journalist and thinking about constantly when you are trying to report transfer stories and get to the bottom of the story and, and get your hands on all the details? For me... The key thing in any transfer deal is trust. You know, you have to trust the people you're getting the information from and they have to trust you as well. You know, it's important that the agents, players, managers and, and various people I deal with don't think that the second I've been told a piece of information, I'm going to run onto Sky Sports News and tell the world because you have to be accurate. You have to do it at the right moment, at the right time. And, and that's all about trust. Um, so, you know, often football is about trust. Build up relationships with people. Build up a good rapport with people. And you need them to know that you're not just about breaking news stories, whether they're accurate or not. You know, it's about getting the information out there at the right time. Um, Because there's nothing worse than saying something's going to happen and then a week later it's not happened. Because your reputation is damaged and you look like you don't know what you're talking about. So it's key from a personal perspective uh, and from a an industry perspective and a respect perspective that you get things right at the right time so that you're trusted and seen as someone who knows what's happening, you're close to the deal, you can bring the the relevant information to the table as and when it's appropriate. For example, I was at at Brighton uh, one deadline day when they first got promoted to the Premier League. We got a nice shot uh, of a player arriving from a European club. Um, We didn't report the information at the time because we wanted to make sure before we went on air we had all the accurate information. The player went into the training ground, he met the manager, he did the medical, he completed the medical. He was sat there waiting to sign the paperwork. And then at the very last minute, the club that was selling him pulled out the deal and said, I'm sorry, uh, we've had an injury in training today. We can't allow you to join Brighton. Uh, So the deal never happened. Um, And that, funnily enough, that that actual deal never went to air. So Brighton fans never knew that they had this player in the training ground that passed the medical, that had agreed to join, but never joined. Um, So again, it's, it's about going on air with accurate information. And sometimes if you have to sit on things and build up a bigger picture so that you are 100% sure that what you're going on air with is, is accurate, then, then so be it. And that's exactly what happened in, in this instance. And it's better to be, in my eyes, an hour late with accurate information than an hour early with inaccurate information. 
Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you about this. Um, and it's been really interesting just to get a kind of a glimpse of what your reality is like and a sense of what it's like trying to keep up with football transfers and getting all the details and the ins and outs of a transfer story. Thanks very much for all of your time and insights. No, absolutely. I, I love talking about deadline day. I love talking about transfers. And it's, I'm privileged to be a part of it. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to many more exciting windows to come. Really fascinating there from Mark. And I just really like this idea of responsible reporting. It could be so easy and frankly tempting to rush onto air or social with your fresh scoop, only for the situation to change or the story to be totally false. I guess this applies to any form of journalism, but in this area of journalism, which is so rife with speculation, and full of sensitive information, this is especially important. Thank you to you at home or on the commute for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the interview. If you did, do search and subscribe to the journalism.co.uk podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcast. A quick reminder that we are up in Salford, Greater Manchester on the 4th of June 2020 for our digital journalism conference newswide. Just announced is a workshop to introduce AI into your newsroom. You have one more day to take advantage of our News Rewired early bird offer. Book by the 28th of February and save yourself £50 on your ticket. My email again if you'd like to jump on the podcast with me is jacob at journalism.co.uk. But that's all we have time for. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Until next time.